you talk to a writer fan, you say 1966, 1989, 2007, 2013, you don't need to complete the sentence. Those years are singular. Those years resonate. And uh, they're special. Four years, four Grey Cup championships for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This year, the team that won it all at home in 2013 will be inducted into the club's Plaza of Honour. I am Daniela Ponticelli, the host of Air It Out, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast. November 24, 2013. The 11 and 7 Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat BC and Calgary in the playoffs to arrive at historic Mosaic Stadium on Grey Cup Sunday. Grey Cup 101, the Tiger Cats and the Rough Riders on a Grey Cup stage like none other. Overwhelming home field advantage against the ultimate Road Warriors. Extreme cold gripped the city all week, but the sun came out that day. Tom Hanks was even in the crowd. But the biggest celebrities in the Queen City were the men on the field who would go on to beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 45-23. In this episode, I sit down first with two-time Saskatchewan Rough Rider Grey Cup champion, Neil Hughes. You know, that day going to that Taylor Field for that game, I was, I was pretty emotional. I don't know what happened, but I just started bawling. I just, the emotion just overtook. I was crying for excitement. I was crying because I was nervous. It was everything, every single emotion. You know, at that moment, I was like, okay, we're, we're really doing this. Later on, we will hear from Rob Vanstone, a longtime local sports writer who covered the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and is now the team's senior journalist and historian. Rob is also a member of the Plaza of Honor Selection Committee. This year, the group chose to honor the 2013 team and the legacy of Wendy Kelly, who will be the first woman inducted into the Plaza of Honor as an individual. Kelly tirelessly volunteered her time to the green and white over many years and was the first woman to serve on the Rough Riders board. Before that, Kelly was the team nurse for seven years. In 1995, she co-produced the Grey Cup Parade and Halftime Show. She also chaired the 2012 Plaza of Honor Dinner Committee. There's even a tie-in to 2013. That year, she was the production manager of the Grey Cup Gala. Here is Rob Vanstone with more on Wendy Kelly. Wendy was the first female to join what was then known as the Executive Committee. You know, John Lipp was, the, was the, the president of the team at that time, and, and John felt it was important, and it's fitting, I think, that John, as a chairman of the Plaza Selection Committee, had the uh, privilege of in, announcing that Wendy would be inducted too. It's a, it's a lovely full circle uh, moment. Sadly, we lost Wendy in, in 2018. I wish she, she could be here, but you know, there's so many people who knew Wendy and loved and appreciated her, and it's going to be a, a tremendous celebration on October 7th when we get a chance to really honor her at you know, full blast. And here is what John Lipp had to say about Kelly at the official announcement of her induction. When he asked her to do something, she would take it on, and you knew she would get it done. She just had that air about her of confidence and she had the ability to get people to work with her and, and she was just one of those leaders that attracts people to work with her. 
a wonderful, rich history to celebrate. Wendy Kelly and the 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a team that featured many hometown heroes, including Neil Hughes. This is the third time Hughes is entering the Plaza of Honor. The 43-year-old was inducted as an individual in 2019 and as a member of the Grey Cup champion 2007 Rough Riders back in 2010. Now, the former running back is gearing up for a 10-year reunion with a team Rider Nation will always remember. Neil Hughes, it's so great to sit down with you and you just helped make the official announcement about this upcoming induction. The 2013 Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be joining the plaza this fall. What do you make of this moment? Uh, it's pretty special. When I was uh, inducted individually, that, that was an entirely different feeling than, than, than this induction. Individually, it, it's a very proud moment and I'm not taking anything away from that. But to go in as a team, you play the game to play with your team. It's not an individual sport, and to be able to be recognized with all my other teammates uh, is pretty special. 2013 was a special year. We won the Great Cup at home, one of the last couple of years of that stadium over at uh, Taylor Field, and the memories I have uh, of that field will, will always be good ones. We will get to the season as well a little later on because the season itself was a really electric ride, right? A hot start. And then there was some adversity. But take me back. It's going to be 10 years this November. You and your teammates making history. And as you said, at Old Taylor Field. And you knew full well this was going to be the last opportunity for a Grey Cup to be played there. And you were there. It's pretty surreal to think about, you know, being a, a young Saskatchewan kid, let's say in 1988, going to the games, sitting in section 205 with my dad. You know, I never, I never thought that, that moment would ever be a possibility. So, you know, that day going to that Taylor Field for that game, I was, I was pretty emotional. And uh, all these memories just started flooding through my brain as I'm, I'm going to park my truck in the parking lot. I don't know what happened, but I just started bawling. I just, the emotion just overtook. And it was, it was like a bawling, it was excitement. I was crying for excitement. I was crying because I was nervous. I was crying. It was everything, every single emotion, uh, every positive emotion was flowing through me. And I, you know, at that moment I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're really doing this. Like it's, this is amazing. And then, you know, after that moment, individually for myself, I, I just kind of, my adrenaline just keep ramp, kept ramping up all the way to, you know, the first kickoff. And then, it was uh, it was just amazing to be out there with such a great team, a lot of great uh, teammates on that team. You know, there was no individuals that were out looking for themselves. It was all about the entire team, and everybody uh, you know bought into what we were trying to do. And I'm, I'm just happy and uh, and proud to be a part of it. Now we have the benefit of hindsight, knowing the outcome of that game. But even before the game starts, I'm getting chills already just yeah. talking about it. I know this is a memory that stands out for you too. The decision for the team to defy, you know, what the broadcaster wanted to defy sort of what the setup was for the game and have individuals come out. Yep. You come out all together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the kind of team we were. We were, we were there for each other. And, you know, there's a couple guys in the locker room that heard we were going to be introduced individually. And there are a few other guys who were like, no way, we're not doing this as individuals. We're doing this as a team. We got here as a team. We're going out as a team and we don't care. Yeah, I can remember standing in the, the tunnel beside uh, Chris Best, and there's the TSN guy there trying to hold big Chris Best back, and 
Chris basically just kind of lightly pushed them aside, and it just everybody just went out. It was just a sea of green running out on the field. Those those types of things don't happen very often, and to to do it at home in front of the hometown crowd, it, it just amped everybody up, amped all the players up. At that point, it was kind of like, yeah, we got this. Now, you guys went on a run in that game in terms of scoring. You, you found your groove. Yes, there was a point in the third quarter where Hamilton was trying to come back, but you really had that game locked in. Who from your family and friends were there to meet you after the game? What were the moments like as soon as the final whistle blew? Oh, it was it was surreal, to be honest. I, I was like, I felt like I was in a dream. I remember uh, my first interview was, I think it was TSN with, with uh, Keith Cholgan. And I let a, an F-bomb slip in the live interview. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I just completely was uh, just out of my mind. And then uh, seeing my family there and, you know, celebrate with them uh, after the game and in the locker room and celebrate with the teammates. It was, it was pretty special. There are so many things that led to your success as a group. And you mentioned at the announcement earlier, a trip to Echo Lake that really showed how everyone was buying in. Yeah, so in previous years, uh, probably three or four years, when, when Jeremy O'Day was, was still playing, he'd, he'd set up a fishing trip. And then when I was a rookie, we went on a trip to, to Tobin Lake, and there was maybe four or five guys that went. And we continued to do that every year. And it was about the same amount, five or six guys. It would be the bye week, and for all the guys that stuck around, we'd, we'd go on this little fishing camping trip. You know, 2013 rolls around, and I'm setting up this, this camping trip to Echo Lake, and there's a few guys interested in going. G. Roy Simon was one of them. He's a big fisherman, so him and I uh, took my brother's boat out on the lake that day. Before we went out, there was probably five or six people at the campsite. And I was thinking that's probably, you know, all the guys that are going to show up. But Giori and I, were, we were out for about three hours fishing, caught some, some fish and brought back some fish to the camp for everybody and thought I would have kept enough to feed everyone. But apparently I didn't because there was like 20, <laughs> 30 guys just waiting at camp for us to get back with the fish. It was pretty special to see that because that, Right there, that moment just kind of shows you that we're a team. We're all friends. We all want to be hanging out with each other off the field as well as on the field. And I think that's important uh, in having a winning team is just building a, a culture and being friends on and off the field, having each other's backs no matter where you come from. You know, that, that cabin trip in my mind was, was probably the best one that we had had uh, in all the, the years doing it because it was just a lot of guys out there having fun, letting loose being themselves, and you get to know each other. You get to know people a little better as uh, individuals, not just players. You know, those moments, whether or not they played a big role in it, nobody will know, but I, I think it had something a little bit to do with it. Do you remember what time of year that was? Uh, I would have been August. Okay, and the riders were really rolling. You guys were putting wins together, 5-0 and start, including a 37 nothing shutout against Hamilton. After Labor Day, you're 8-1, and but then comes this... September slump, four losses in a row. Do you remember, Neil, the team ever feeling like we don't have this? No, there was never that feeling that that we didn't have it. You have bad games, um, but you have to bounce back from them. And, you know, that's that's what we did. There was definitely some adversity. And, you know, I, I'd rather have some adversity throughout the year than go through and just roll over everybody and have no adversity, and then you get to playoffs, and it's a different beast. And when the tough times come in the playoffs, it's, uh, it's a little easier to manage, and you know how to, to handle it. You know, we had a, a great team of guys with character, and you know, we did have a slump, but no, we never 
stop believing in ourselves. And so what, right? That's yeah. all in the past. Yeah, exactly. Now that now that everything's here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do bring that up though because the team ended up finishing second in the West. So you had to go through every round of the playoffs to get to the Grey Cup. It started with a home semifinal against BC, a close 29-25 win. Then you're off to Calgary and that was wow. 35-13 finish. In the West Final, you guys had that game. Looking back at the playoff push, what was the experience like for you? I don't often think about those playoff games, but we came together as a team in Calgary for sure. Um, going into Calgary, they were they were the favorite. They were the favorite probably to win the Grey Cup, and we went into their barn and we did what we had to do. And that was that was a total team game. I was back and forth for the first couple of quarters, and you know we just kept fighting and fighting. It was kind of like a culmination of the whole year. It was, uh, you know, come out strong, have some setbacks, come out strong again, have some more setbacks, and then, you know, in the end, we, we came out on top, and, and that's that's all that, that mattered. And, you know, we talked about adversity. And, you know, in football, you can have adversity throughout a whole season, but you could also get tons of adversities and, and ups and downs in just one quarter, especially in in Canadian football. So we had a lot of guys that were uh, very uh, veteran-like, I should say, and G. Roy Simon, for one, you never see that guy panic. And he was kind of like a calming force <laughs> in the locker room. And, you know, he was, uh, he's definitely somebody that, that I looked up to, even though we're both grown men. You know, you look up to a guy who has thousands of yards receiving and hundreds of touchdowns. He just comes in and he's just another guy in the locker room. And, you know, when you got a guy like that in your corner, you, you kind of feel like yeah, everything's going to be okay. Like we just got to focus on what we got to do and, and get the job done. Do you remember after that win in Calgary, the fans who were there? Oh yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know, everywhere we went, there's there's Ryder fans. Yeah, but that that game was special because there was all the Ryder fans left in the stands, which was probably a third full of Ryder fans, and all the other stands fans were gone home, and that's that's a. That's a lot of Ryder fans showing up to a to a Calgary Stampede home game, playoff game, and it was it was pretty special, and you know we knew what we had waiting for us at home, and uh, in Ryder Nation, and we knew what this Grey Cup was going to be like. So after that game was done, we celebrated a little bit, but we knew what the task at hand was. Is there a moment from that 2013 Grey Cup game that stands out? You can even. It can be more than one. I'll, I'll let you have that because, again, it was such a, a very dominant performance by the Riders. Yeah, I think uh, when Sheets caught that bobbled ball in the air and just went running, that was like, oh, we got this. The things just started snowballing and going right for us, and everything <laughs> seemed to go wrong for them. And so I was, uh, I was definitely a, kind of like not not so much a turning point, but I would say more of like a rallying point and. You know, everybody kind of knew that, you know, things are going to go right for us. You and that team gave Ryder Nation something it had never had before. I mean, people were partying in the streets. The celebrations went on and on. What were the days and weeks like after winning the Grey Cup at home? Oh, it was, it was unreal. And I had a little bit of experience through from 07, which mm -hmm. was also crazy because we <laughs> hadn't won one since 89. So it was... <laughs> It was just as crazy as that one, and uh, it was it was fun to be able to to go around to these communities, these small communities, and show them the Grey Cup. And 
you know, Labatt and I flew up to Stony Rapids and went to a few other smaller communities up in the northern Saskatchewan, Cumberland House. And it was, it was really neat to be able to share that with those people and those communities. You know, just to see the smiles on their faces, just the energy, the positive energy that, that everybody had when we were on any of those tours or around any rider fans after that time was, was outstanding. And I'm, I'm hoping and truly hoping that, that these young guys here can can see and and feel what it was like to be a champion here in Saskatchewan because there's nothing else like it. I don't think you're getting that same reception from Toronto or Montreal or anywhere else in the CFL for that matter. You win one here and you're you're uh, set in stone for life and you're you're in, you're down in history in, in Rider Nation. Ten years. Life, of course, has changed, has moved forward. Your <laughs> 13-year-old son is actually with us in the room as we record. So to think back, he was just three yep. at the time. Is there a little bit of magic in getting to relive this this year with your son now at an age where he'll get to meet your teammates and yeah. kind of really store those memories for himself? Absolutely. I think it's it's really cool for him to be able to do that. My daughter's 16, so she was she was there and she kind of understood what was going on. But even then, she was six years old so even for her this is going to be a pretty special moment and they both play football they all they play basketball they play all types of team sports and I think it's going to be real neat for them to come and see these old guys that their old dad used to play football with <laughs> you're not old Neil don't say that yeah, ask my old. son he'll tell you different <laughs> you're actually coaching as well you had you had told me before we started recording coaching some flag football yeah yeah my daughter's in uh the national championship for flag football uh, she's on the U18 girls team Sask, and I'm the offense coordinator. So I'll be driving up to Winnipeg tomorrow to to coach, and uh, you know, hopefully, we come home with some some hardware. And I'm pretty excited, and it's a great opportunity to to still be involved with the game, coaching my kids, and you know, it's it's something I love doing. And what a way to give back to football in your hometown. You were from Regina, started in the minor football program at age seven, played high school at Tom Collegiate, then university with the Regina Rams. Do you remember when you signed with the Riders in 2004? Yep, actually I do. Um, I, <laughs> funny story, I had uh, Lee Jones from some CTV at the mm -hmm. time. And he's still with CTV, by the way. Yeah, he's in my basement. And he had TV crew there because uh, everyone was expecting me to get drafted. I was expected to get drafted. And, you know, all the rounds went through and I didn't get drafted. Uh, TV was TV crew was there, so they did a little interview with me. after. I was disappointed, upset. But about 20 minutes after he left, I got a phone call from my agent. And he said, yeah, I got two teams that are interested in you. I'll tell you the first one is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Brendan Tamman would like to, you know, offer you a... Uh, just to try out and come sign a, a contract and come try out in, in Winnipeg. And the other team is uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They'd like you to come and try out. And obviously, I chose the Riders. You chose right. Yeah. You chose right. So I uh, I went in and uh, I remember talking in, talking to Danny Barrett and he had the contract for me. I think my first contract was $32,000. I was excited to sign. I didn't care how much it was. He says to me uh, as I'm signing, I'm we're just going to give you one last opportunity to put the pads on. And uh, basically I took that as like, a, oh, like he doesn't think I'm good enough. He's just doing this because I'm from Regina. And so I, I kind of took it personal. 
maybe he meant to do that to motivate me. So I signed that contract, had a little chip on my shoulder and I went into camp, got cut and they brought me back on the practice roster. From there, I sat on the practice roster for five weeks and then the guy who I was backing up got hurt and had my opportunity to play in a game. It was versus the Argonauts. And first play of the game was a kickoff and I ran down the field. I remember just running as fast as I could and I made a tackle and forced a fumble and we got the ball back and we scored a touchdown. Oh, come that on. Was, that was my first ever like opportunity in CFL. And then I made a few more tackles that game and had a great game on special teams. And that's how I, I made the roster for the rest of that year. And the rest of my career was doing whatever I absolutely had to do to help my team. And it's a reminder there's ebbs and flows, not only in a game, but in a player's career, in a team season, all of that, right? And it's just the forces that will it to be. And you were part of the Riders from 04 to 2014. You announced your retirement in May of 2015. So during that time, a lot of success, but come on, I I don't think anyone can forget 2009. That's another (laughs) moment. So you've really gone through all of it is what I'm trying to say. You've had those highs. Um, Of course, we're focused on the 2013 win, but you were part of that 2007 championship for the Riders in Toronto, playing against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And now that I know a little bit about the fact that you could have been potentially on the Winnipeg team, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, what kind of memories do you have from from that 07 run? Because that would have been your first chance ever playing in a championship game. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty special. Um, at that time, I was I was getting a few more opportunities to play on offense as well as all the special teams. And uh, I, I remember the f- first game, or so the Western Final in BC. I scored a touchdown. It was my first playoff touchdown ever, and I was just elated and ecstatic. And it was uh, it was pretty special because in 2004 we were in BC in the Western Final, and we had missed a field goal. Uh, to lose the game and that would have been our chance to get to the Grey Cup and it happens and there's some events that happen after that to our kicker that are not uh, highly looked upon but it was it was a pretty special year as well and we had that same team feeling throughout that entire year. The turning point of that season would be uh, the Labor Day game where Kerry Joseph ran a touchdown in with, with a minute left in the game to win. And after that, I think it kind of changed our season because we we knew we had a great leader in Kerry Joseph, somebody that's going to, you know, put everything else aside and do what he has to do to win a football game. And, you know, after that, I think the Ryder Nation kind of backed us more than they had ever before. And that's kind of the time where things started kick, like just taking off for the Riders as far as merchandise sales and all ticket sales. And it was uh, was pretty – pretty cool to be part of that team too like I'm so fortunate and blessed to be able to to be on both both of those teams and in the end it all comes down to our success on those on those teams comes down to everybody just buying in and everybody doing their job individually but not playing as individuals and playing as a team for a common goal so I'm pretty humbled to be be able to be talking to you about this right now to be honest especially with my son sitting right here two Grey Cups, when you consider the Riders have only won four in their very storied history. Yeah. Looking back at your career, because now you do get to look back and you get to see championship wins in, in the highlights, but it is more than that. It is about everything that you went through and, and the people you met. What are you most proud of in your career? That's that's a tough question. I'm, I'm proud of 
all of the things that that I've accomplished, not only individually, but with the team that, you know, knew how to, to come together and win championships. I'm a pretty humble guy. I don't like talking about myself. I like to talk about the team. There's not one individual on the team that can make or break you. That's, everybody has to be on the same page. You know, I, I'm proud of, of doing whatever I had to do to help the team win, doing whatever the coaches asked of me, whether I wanted to do it or not. I did it to the best of my ability and never complained because I knew as soon as that negativity starts creeping in, then it's infectious and you don't want that in a team that's trying to win a championship. You know, being positive, no matter what the situation is, is something that I try to pride myself on, not only in football, but in life as well. There's always, there's always a bright side to something. I, I try to live by that. I've had a lot of great coaches throughout my life that have, have kind of, you know, instilled values in me. So I don't know, I'm, I'm proud of all of it. I'm proud of the community work that I did. Proud of some off seasons I go to 60 or 70 different communities across the province and speak to kids and about healthy choices and you know that stuff. You know, it may not seem like a, a huge deal to some people, but to those kids and to maybe one or two of those kids in those communities, it was a it was a pretty big deal. And I used to be that kid where I'd be waiting uh, for the riders to come to my school. I still remember Richie Hall coming to my school. He was on crutches. I think he had rolled his ankle a game before. <laughs> And uh, I remember him saying, you know, it doesn't matter how big or fast or strong you are or how tall you are, you can make your dreams come true. And Richie's tiny, playing a big grown man sport. And I was a small kid, so I kind of took that to heart and carried that with me. And I even let Richie know that when I, when I first met him here on the Riders. I, said, I told him, I remember when you came to my school a long time ago. You probably don't remember, but you know, I just kind of told him that story and how I, I remembered him coming and I thanked him for it. So many lifelong fans of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders witnessed history at home. One was up in the press box, readying his newspaper column on the win. Head down, typing fast for deadline. He didn't even see the moment quarterback Darian Durant lifted the Grey Cup. But for Rob Vanstone, this was the culmination of all the highs and lows of being a fan and a critic of the team. I'll let Rob explain his role back then and what he's doing now. After 400 years of the Regina Leader Post, actually 35 plus, I was the I did pretty much everything there. I was the uh, ended up being the sports editor and the sports columnist. And uh, in February, I made the move over to the Rough Riders as the senior journalist. Senior being out, uh, in uppercase, I think, <laughs> and uh, and also the team historian. And so I'm pushing five months on that, and uh, I've just loved every every minute of it, just getting to immerse myself in current goings-on and in the historical minutiae pertaining to this football team that I've followed since 1971. So there isn't a day where I, or even an hour, where I don't look around here, here being Mosaic Stadium, and just marvel at it and pinch myself. And uh, it's just, I mean, I've had two dream jobs in a lifetime. Rob is a walking encyclopedia of all things Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I'm sure he has a self-deprecating comment for that, too. I was thrilled to sit down with him to talk more about the 2013 season, starting with some important context on how the team came to be. Well, a lot of the foundation was, was, was established in 2012. I mean, the team was coming off a really rough 2011 season. It was pretty much torn apart and rebuilt by Brendan Tamman. The, who was the general manager and vice president of football operations. The year before, he'd been general manager, and they'd added vice president of football operations coming out of the 2011 season. And So if you look at 2012 and, and the pieces that were added, Corey Sheets, who was Corey Sheets? And he ends up uh, 
kind of being an afterthought at training camp, and suddenly there's a, a explosive game in, in the preseason in 2012, and Corey Sheets becomes a starting tailback. Taj Smith, who had 1,000-plus receiving yards, the 2013 team, he was added. Ben Heenan was drafted first overall. Uh, Xavier Fulton was acquired from the Edmonton for, from Edmonton for a low-round draft choice. He became the starting left offensive tackle uh, with the 2013 team. On day one of free agency, uh, Brendan Tamman signed uh, Brendan Labatt, who in 2013 was named the league's most outstanding offensive lineman, and uh, Dominic Picard, who was the starting center for the 2013 team, etc. So, and then in 2013 there were other huge addition, additions as well. But that foundationally, a lot of that core was established in 2012. Brendan signed uh, Darian Durant to a contract extension. It was a, just a, a terrific job of administration with a lot of foresight by uh, Brendan Tamman. Uh, the assistant GM at the time was Jeremy O'Day. Director of player personnel was Craig Smith. They did an amazing job of, of setting, the, setting the stage for a team that uh, we're now celebrating 10 years later. We'll be celebrating 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, 50 years later. Hope I'm around to see that one. (laughs) (laughs) It is really great to celebrate and recognize just how special that was. Even just thinking back to last year when Saskatchewan hosted the Grey Cup in 2022, there was this expectation that the team was going to do it again, win another championship at home. But back in 2013, that hadn't been done. And just knowing everything that was on the line, a final Grey Cup at historic Mosaic Stadium, a team that had the ingredients to make something good happen. Rob, do you remember what the feeling was like in Ryder Nation prior to the start of that year? Well, the, the expectations were huge. In 95, the Rough Riders had uh, had a rough year and there really wasn't a possibility of them playing in the first Grey Cup game that was held in Regina. In 20, 2003, the Rough Riders got to the uh, West Final and lost 30-23 to 23 in Edmonton. Yeah. It was important, I think, for the Rough Riders to take that next step and get to a Grey Cup game at home. But not only that, there was only one other opportunity to play in that game at historic Mosaic Stadium. Once Taylor Field, once Park DeYoung, once Park Hughes. That was the last chance. And uh, the team just exploded out of the gate that year. It looked for a long time like that that Rough Rider team might even threaten the Rough Rider single season record for victories. But then uh, one day against Toronto, Corey Sheets hurt his knee. And the team went on a bit of a dip without Corey Sheets in the lineup. He was such a huge part of not only the running game, obviously. Uh, he would have rushed for 2,000 yards that season had he not been hurt. He set up so much that the Rough Riders were able to do through the air. Darian Durant having a career year. So there was a, there was a lot of unrest uh, in the fall of 2013 as the team hit a bit of a skid. But then one Friday night, the Rough Riders went to BC. And suddenly, Corey Sheets was back in the lineup. And... The team really purred from then on. And going into the playoffs, uh, I mean, the toughest game was the first one. The Rough Riders were trailing BC by nine points going into the fourth quarter, and Darian Durant rushed for 91 of the 97 yards that he would gain that day along the ground. He never rushed for more yards in a game than he did uh, in the West semifinal against BC. Threw a couple of touchdown passes to Weston Dressler that day, including one in the fourth quarter. And uh, Darian took over that game like unlike I've ever seen a player will a team to victory. And after that, the, real, the Riders weren't really challenged. They went into Calgary, played a 14-win Stampeder team, won 35-13, and they were blowing them out at halftime. And the score actually flattered Calgary because not only were the Rough Riders winning handily at halftime, but they'd fumbled on the one-yard line. It could have been even uglier. I started writing my column at home at halftime because it was over. 
<laughs> they would just throttled Calgary. And, and then uh, with, with Hamilton coming here, I remember talking to Henry Burris about it, and he says is there, just, there was just no way the Rough Riders weren't going to win that game. You know, it's like the Hamilton Tiger Cats that day where the, where the Washington Generals playing the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> like, there is no chance uh, that the Rough Riders were going to lose that game. And it was such a huge disparity, you know, at halftime, 31-6. to six. But then Hamilton caught fire in the second half, and Henry Burr scored on a touchdown run to make it uh, 31-15. It was 15 or 16 points. And suddenly I'm thinking, yeah, Montreal had a lot less time left in 2009 when uh, Darien scored on a touchdown run to put the Rough Riders up 27-11. So it's like, yeah. And I just tur- shut, I shut my computer. I stopped pre-writing my Riders win Grey Cup at home column. And uh, it was tense there for a few minutes. And then second and 19, handoff to Corey Sheets, and he gains 21 yards. How often are you going to get a first down on a running play? Incredible. You know, and Taj Smith with a huge block to allow that to become, instead of a 16-yard gain, a 21-yard game. And after that, Rough Riders marched down for a field goal, but it consumed time. Riders got some points, and they shifted the momentum. And that Corey Sheets run was absolutely massive. There's so many pivotal points from that game. As much as it seemed to be predestined that the Rough Riders would win, there were some nail-biting moments, and there were some breaks that fortuitously went the Rough Riders' way. The, the fumble that Corey Sheets picked up and advanced 39 yards. Well, I've seen a lot of Grey Cup games where those fumbles have not gone in the Rough Riders' of favor. Of course, yeah. I can't imagine the feeling for fans in the stands that day because you, you, you believe, you want to believe, you know that this team is capable, but you've also seen and felt and experienced the devastating heartbreak. And Rob, I feel like you would know that more than anyone, having been such an avid fan of the team since the 70s. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players from that 2013 team were on the 2009 team that lost that heartbreaker to Montreal. And on the 20 team, 2010 team, that, that lost by only three points in the Grey Cup. And that has been sort of the Rough Riders' history through Grey Cup appearances. 1972, there was the Ian Sunter field goal in the last play, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats win 13-10. It was a hometown, home field Grey Cup victory for the Tiger Cats in 72. And uh, 76, the Rough Riders were the dominant team in the Canadian Football League. And it felt like when, when they beat Edmonton uh, 23-13 in the West Final, that that was the Grey Cup game. That playing Ottawa in the 76 Grey Cup game was a formality because getting past Edmonton after losing to Edmonton in three consecutive West Finals, that was the step that, that pretty much signified or coronated a champion. And then Tony Gabriel... Ottawa wins 23-20. I was 12 years old. I was sitting in the stands at Exhibition Stadium in Toronto that day, and I cried. And uh, so you have that history, and you think, okay, that's the worst outcome you could ever see as a professional uh, of a professional football game. You know, it was the worst day of my life at at, at that point. And then you see the you're at the Grey Cup game in 2009. You think that's got to feel infinitely worse than Tony Gabriel because of the way it unfolded. So there's there's that history of heartbreak. And you're just, sometimes you're just wondering, okay, what is going to happen this time? But the beauty of only having the four Grey Cup championships is that when there is that victory, we talk about it, we celebrate it, it we feel it like nobody else because we know it's, it's a rough path. You talk to a Ryder fan, you say 1966, 1989, 2007, 2013, you don't need to complete the sentence. Yeah. That's, those years are singular. Those years resonate and uh, they're special. They're, they each have their own little flavor. 2013 winning it at home, not only to win at home, but the last chance to do it where Ronnie played, where George played, where Glenn Dobbs played, where the legends generations back played. 
That was just so cool. Incredible moments in Saskatchewan Rough Rider history, as told by our guests, 2013 Grey Cup champion Neil Hughes and the club's senior journalist and historian Rob Vanstone. This year's inductees will be honoured in a special halftime ceremony at the home game on October 7th. That's Legends Night and the 2013 Grey Cup anniversary. The first 5,000 fans to the game will receive a free replica 2013 Grey Cup championship ring. There will also be community events and fan interactions with members of the 2013 team leading up to October 7th. It is a weekend and a game you won't want to miss. Get your tickets at Riderville.com. New episodes of Air It Out are released every two weeks. The first three episodes plus a bonus episode are out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Let us know how much you like what you're hearing by rating this podcast or leaving a review. Air It Out is hosted, written, and edited by me, Daniela Ponticelli with technical and editorial support from Blake Tideman and Ariel Zur. Our podcast graphics are designed by Angela Bailey. Air It Out is a Saskatchewan Rough Rider podcast. So